Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there's a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is on Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 10, God and the Ego, with Section 7, Experience and Perception. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for today. Led by the wonderful and dedicated friend. Um, Lori, would you offer that opening you have? You bet. You bet. Um, There's a real gift this morning. Tiny, tiny little... Expression from Rumi. Our greatest strength lies in the gentleness and tenderness of our heart. Our greatest strength lies in the gentleness and tenderness of our heart. Because of his forgiveness and happiness, I will awaken from the dream that I am mortal, fallible, and full of sin. And no, I am the perfect son of God. Our greatest strength lies in the gentleness and tenderness of our heart. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, you, Lori. Oh, that's the gift of forgiveness. You're welcome. Thank you, Lori. Points towards how to see <laughs> the great leading for this section here. And uh, I'll go ahead and get us started in the reading with Chapter 10, God and the Ego. Section 7, Experience and Perception. It is... It is impossible not to believe what you see, but it is equally impossible to see what you do not believe. Perceptions are built up on the basis of experience, and experience leads to belief. It is not until beliefs are fixed that perceptions stabilize. In effect, then, what you believe 
you do see. That is what I meant when I said, quote, Blessed are ye who have not seen and still believe, unquote. For those who believe in the resurrection will see it. The resurrection is the complete triumph of Christ over the ego, not by attack, but by transcendence. For Christ does rise above the ego and all its works and ascends to the Father and his King. And Brian. Section 7. Experience and Perception. Paragraph 59. It is impossible not to believe what you see, but it is equally impossible to see what you do not believe. Perceptions are built up on the basis of experience, and experience leads to beliefs. It is not until beliefs are fixed that perceptions stabilize. In effect, then, what you believe you do see. That is what I meant when I said, quote, Blessed are ye who have not seen and still believe, unquote. For those who believe in the resurrection will see it. The resurrection is the complete triumph of Christ over the ego, not by attack, but by transcendence. For Christ does rise above the ego and all its works and ascends to the Father and his kingdom. 60. Would you join in the resurrection or the crucifixion? Would you condemn your brothers or free them? Would you transcend your prison and ascend to the Father? For these questions are all the same and are answered together. There has been much confusion about what perception means because the same word is used both for awareness, for the interpretation of awareness. Yet you cannot be aware without interpretation. And what you perceive is your interpretation. This course is perfectly clear. You do not see it clearly because you are interpreting against it and therefore do not believe it. And if belief determines perception, you do not perceive what it means and therefore do not accept it. Thank you, friend. And Lori. Paragraph 60. Would you join in the resurrection or the crucifixion? Would you condemn your brothers or free them? Would you transcend your prison and ascend to the Father? For these questions are all the same and are answered together. There has been much confusion about what perception means because the same word is used both for awareness and for the interpretation of awareness. Yet, you cannot be aware without interpretation, and what you perceive is your interpretation. This course is perfectly clear, yet you do not see it clearly because you are interpreting against it, and therefore do not believe it. And if belief determines perception, you do not perceive what it means, and therefore do not accept it. 61. Yet, different experiences lead to different beliefs, and with them, different perceptions. For perceptions are learned with beliefs, and experience teaches. 
I am leading you to a new kind of experience, which you will become less and less willing to deny. Learning of Christ is easy, for to perceive with him involves no strain at all. His perceptions are your natural awareness, and it is only distortion which you introduce that tire you. Let the Christ in you interpret for you, and do not try to limit what you see by narrow little beliefs which are unworthy of God's Son. For until Christ comes into his own, the Son of God will see himself as followers. Thank you, Lori and Harrison. Sixty-one. Yet different experiences lead to different beliefs. And with them, different different perceptions. For perceptions are learned with beliefs. And experience teaches. I am leading you to a new kind of experience, which you will become less and less willing to deny. Learning of Christ is easy for to proceed with him involves no strain at all. His perceptions are your natural awareness, and it is only distortion which you introduce that will that tire you. Let the Christ in you interpret for you and do not try to limit what you see by narrow little beliefs which are unworthy of God's Son. For until Christ comes into his for until Christ comes into his will, she, <laughs> for until Christ comes into his will, see himself as fatherless. 62. I am your resurrection and your life. You live in me because you live in God. And everyone lives in you as you live in everyone. Can you then perceive unworthiness in a brother and not perceive it in yourself? And can you perceive it in yourself and not perceive it in God? Believe in the resurrection because 
it has been accomplished. <clears throat> and it has been accomplished in you. This is as true now as it will ever be for the resurrection is the will of God which knows no time and no exceptions. But make no exceptions yourself or you will not perceive what has been accomplished for you. For we ascend unto the Father together as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. For such is the nature of God's Son as his Father created him. Well, thank you, Harrison. And Donna? Sixty-two. I am your resurrection and your life. You live in me because you live in God. And everyone lives in you as you live in everyone. Can you then perceive unworthiness in a brother and not perceive it in yourself? And can you perceive it in yourself and not perceive it in God? Believe in the resurrection because it has been accomplished. And it has been accomplished in you. This is as true now as it will ever be for the resurrection is the will of God, which knows no time and no exceptions. But make no exceptions yourself or you will not perceive what has been accomplished for you. For we ascend unto the Father together, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. For such is the nature of God's Son, and his Father created him. For such is the nature of God's Son, as his Father created him. 63. Do not underestimate the power of the devotion of God's Son, nor the power of the God he worships over him. For he places himself at the altar of his God, whether it be the God he made or the God who created him. That is why his slavery is as complete as his freedom. For he will obey only the God he accepts. The God of the crucifixion demands that he crucify and his worshipers obey. In his name, they crucify themselves, believing that the power of the Son of God is born of sacrifice and pain. The God of the resurrection demands nothing, for he does not will to take away. 
he does not require obedience. For obedience implies submission. He would only have you learn your own will and follow it. Not in the spirit of sacrifice and submission, but in the gladness of freedom. Thank you, Donna. And, uh, uh, Sandra. Sixty-three. Do not underestimate the power of the devotion of God's Son, nor the power of the God he worships over him. For he places himself at the altar of his God, whether it be the God he made or the God who created him. That is why his slavery is as complete as his freedom, for he will obey only the God he accepts. The God of the crucifixion demands that he crucify and his worshipers obey. In his name, they crucify themselves, believing that the power of the Son of God is born of sacrifice and pain. The God of the, of the resurrection demands nothing, for he does not will to take away. He does not require obedience, for obedience implies submission. He would only have you learn your own will and follow it, not in the spirit of sacrifice and submission, but in the gladness of freedom. 64. Resurrection must compel your allegiance gladly because it is the symbol of joy. Its whole compelling power lies in the fact that it represents what you want to be. Freedom to leave behind everything that hurts you and humbles you and frightens you cannot be thrust upon you, but it can be offered you through the grace of God. And you can accept it by his grace, for God is gracious to his Son, accepting him without question as his own. Who then is your own? The Father has given you all that is his, and he himself is yours with them. Guard them in the resurrection, for otherwise you will not awake in God, safely surrounded by what is yours forever. <clears throat> Thank you, Sandra. And Jessica. <clears throat> Thank you. This is great. 64. Resurrection must compel your allegiance gladly because it is the symbol of joy. Its whole compelling power lies in the fact that it represents what you want to be. The freedom to leave behind everything that hurts you and humbles you and frightens you cannot be thrust upon you, but it can be offered you through the grace of God. And you can accept it by his grace. For God is gracious to his son, accepting him 
without question, as his own. Who then is your own? The Father has given you all that is his, and he himself is yours with them. Guard them in their resurrection, for otherwise you will not awaken God, safely surrounded by what is yours forever. 65. You will not find peace until you have removed the nails from the hands of God's Son and taken the last thorn from his forehead. The love of God surrounds his Son, whom the God of the crucifixion condemns. Teach not that I died in vain. Teach rather that I did not die by demonstrating that I live in you. For the undoing of the crucifixion of God's Son is the work of the redemption in which everyone has a part of equal value. God does not judge his blameless Son. Having given himself to him, how could it be otherwise? Thank you, Jessica. And Robin Marie, are you ready to read? Hello. Yes, I will read. 65. (laughs) Thank you. You will not find peace until you have removed the nails from the hands of God's Son and taken the last thorn from his forehead. The love of God surrounds his Son, whom the God of the crucifixion condemns. Teach not that I died in vain. Teach rather that I did not die by demonstrating that I live in you. For the undoing of the crucifixion of God's Son is the work of the redemption in which everyone has a part of equal value. God does not judge his blameless Son. Having given himself to him, how could it be otherwise? 66. You have nailed yourself to a cross and place the crown of thorns upon your own head. Yet you cannot crucify God's Son, for the will of God cannot die. His Son has been redeemed from his own crucifixion, and you cannot assign to death whom God has given eternal life. The dream of crucifixion still lies heavy on your eyes, but what you see in dreams is not reality. While you perceive the Son of God is crucified, you are asleep. And as long as you believe that you can crucify him, you are only having nightmares. You who are beginning to wake are still aware of dreams and have not yet forgotten them. The forgetting of dreams and the awareness of Christ comes with the awakening of others to share your redemption. Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there a new reader for 66 and 67? New reader for 66 and 67? Okay, back to you, Fran. 
66. You have nailed yourself to a cross and placed a crown of thorns upon your own head. Yet you cannot crucify God's Son, for the will of God cannot die. His Son has been redeemed from his own crucifixion, and you cannot assign to death whom God has given eternal life. The dream of crucifixion still lies heavy on your eyes, but what you see in dreams is not reality. While you perceive the Son of God is crucified, you are asleep, and as long as you believe that you can crucify him, you are only having nightmares. You who are beginning to wake are still aware of dreams and have not yet forgotten them. The forgetting of dreams and the awareness of Christ comes with the awakening of others to share your redemption. 67. You will awaken to your own call, for the call to awake is within you. If I live in you, you are awake, yet you must see the works I do through you, or you will not perceive that I have done them unto you. Do not set limits on what you believe I can do through you, or you will not accept what I can do for you. For it is done already, and unless you give all that you have received, you will not know that your Redeemer liveth and that you have awakened with him. Redemption is recognized only by sharing it. Thank you, Fran. And Lori. You will awaken to your own call, for the call to awake is within you. If I live in you, you are awake, yet you must see the works I do through you or you will not perceive that I have done them unto you. Do not set limits on what you believe I can do through you, or you will not accept what I can do for you. For it is done already, and unless you give all that you have received, you will not know that your Redeemer liveth, and that you have awakened with him. Redemption is recognized only by sharing it. 68. God's Son is saved. Bring only this awareness to the Sonship, and you will have a part in, re in the redemption as valuable as mine. For your part must be like mine if you learn it of me. If you believe that yours is limited, you are limiting mine. There is no order of difficulty in miracles because all of God's Son are of equal value and their equality is their oneness. The whole power of God is in every part of him, and nothing contradictory to his will is either great or small. What does not exist has no size and no measure. To God, all things are possible. And to Christ, it is given to be like the Father. Amen. Thank you, Lori. And Harrison. God's Son is saved. Bring only this awareness to the Sonship, and you will have a part in the redemption as valuable 
as mine. For your part must be like mine. If you learn it of me, if you believe that yours is limited, you are limiting mine. There is no order of difficulty in miracles because all of God's sons are of equal value. And their equality is their oneness. The whole power of God is in every part of him. The whole power of God is in every part of him. And nothing contradictory to his will is either great or small. What does not exist has no size and no measure. To God, all things are possible. To God, all things are possible. And to Christ, it is given to be like the Father. Well, thank you, Harrison. And thank you all who read. Who are listening here with us now or later? I will will attempt to summarize this. Um, And here in section seven of God and the Ego, it's about experience and perception. It is impossible not to believe what you see, but it is equally impossible to see what you do not believe. Perceptions are built up on the basis of experience, and experience leads to beliefs. It is not until beliefs are fixed that perceptions stabilize. In effect, then, what you believe, you do see. That is what I meant when I said, quote, blessed are ye who have not seen and still believe, unquote. For those who believe in the resurrection will see it. The resurrection is the complete triumph of Christ over the ego, not by attack, but by transcendence. For Christ does rise above the ego and all its works, and ascends to the Father and His kingdom. Would you join in the resurrection or the crucifixion? Would you condemn your brothers or free them? Would you transcend your prison 
and ascend to the Father? These questions are all the same and are answered together. This course is perfectly clear. You do not see it clearly because you are interpreting against it and therefore do not believe it. And as belief determines perception, you do not perceive what the course means and therefore do not accept it. Learning of Christ is easy, for to perceive with him involves no strain at all. His perceptions are your natural awareness, and it is only the distortions which you introduce that tire you. Let the Christ in you interpret for you, and do not try to limit what you see by narrow little beliefs which are unworthy of God's Son, whose other name is you. (laughs) For until Christ comes into his own... Okay, this is missing. For until Christ comes unto his own... Excuse me. (laughs) Try again. For until Christ comes into his own will, the Son of God's... I'll try it again. For until Christ comes into his own, will the Son of God see himself as Father? It's actually very simple. Missing. Oh, no, I see I've missed the word again. Or I, I don't know what happened there. Okay. For until Christ comes on to, into his own will, the Son of God will see himself as Father. Christ is our resurrection and our life. We live in him because we live in God. And everyone lives in you as you live in everyone. Can you then perceive unworthiness in a brother and not perceive it in yourself? And can you perceive it in yourself and not perceive it in God? Believe in the resurrection because it has been accomplished and it has been accomplished in you. This is as true now as it will ever be, for the resurrection is the will of God, which knows no time and no exception. But make no exceptions yourself, or you will not perceive what has been accomplished for you. For we ascend unto the Father together, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, for such is the nature of God's Son as his Father created him. The God of the crucifixion demands that this God's Son crucify and his worshipers obey. In his name they crucified themselves, believing that the power of the Son of God is born of sacrifice and pain. The God of the resurrection demands nothing, for he does not will to take away. 
he does not require obedience. He would only have you learn your own will and follow it, not in the spirit of sacrifice and submission, but in the gladness and free and the but in the gladness of freedom. Resurrection must compel your allegiance gladly because it is the symbol of joy. The freedom to leave behind everything that hurts you and humbles you and frightens you cannot be thrust upon you, but it can be offered you through the grace of God. And you can accept it by his grace. For God is gracious to his son, accepting his son without question as his own. Who then is your own? The Father has given you all that is his, and he himself is yours with them. Guard them in their resurrection, for otherwise you will not awaken God safely surrounded by what is yours forever. God does not judge his blameless son. Having given himself to him, how could it be otherwise? As long as you believe that you can crucify him, you are only having nightmares. You who are beginning to wake are still aware of dreams and have not yet forgotten. The forgetting of dreams and the awareness of Christ comes with the awakening of others to share your redemption. You will awaken to your own call, for the call to awake is within you. If Christ lives in you, you are awake, yet you must see the works he does through you, or you will not perceive that he has done them unto you. Do not set limits on what you believe can be done through you, or you will not accept what can be done for you. For it is done already, and unless you give all that you have received, you will not know that your Redeemer liveth, and that you have awakened with him. Redemption is recognized only by sharing. <clears throat> God's Son is saved. Bring only this awareness to the sonship and you will have a part in the redemption as valuable as mine. For your part must be like mine if you learn it of me. And if you believe yours is limited, you are limiting Christ. There is no order of difficulty in miracles because all of God's sons are, sons are of equal value and their equality is their oneness. The whole power of God is in every part of him, and nothing contradictory to his will is either great or small. What does not exist has no size and no measure. To God, all things are possible, and to Christ it is given to be like the Father. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you, Lamorne. Just uh, a quick note. That line at the end of 61, uh, I think it's a misprint. Uh, in the book itself, it says, until Christ comes into his own, chapter 8, the Son of God will see himself as fatherless. So, um, I think uh, a few words were left out. Until Christ comes into his own, the Son of God will see himself as fatherless. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, you, Harrison. Yeah, I struggled with that correction. Um, Thank you for just reading it directly from the book. And now... Not only will the son see himself as fatherless, but he'll be powerless as well. (laughs) Incomplete. Thank you, Thunder. I'll just add to that. It's my relationship with my father that gives me power. Create. Yeah, and in, in, um, is it okay to share now? Is the floor open? Or am I stepping on something? Um, go ahead. I was thinking to go to the lesson, but please, here, go ahead. Oh, I'll just give a, a quick one that... that um, um, you were saying in, in the gladness of freedom and free will, I will to be patient with my brothers and sisters. This requires so much patience in me, no more urgency that people have to awaken now <laughs> because that would be taking away their freedom. When there's no urgency, there's freedom to move at whatever pace is, is, is okay with me. Or, and I have to respect whatever pace is okay with somebody else, too. When I release, I don't condemn. When, I'm, when I release, I am open to all of creation as, as possibilities. Possibilities. When I can let go and release, there's so many other possibilities for me to, to create with. When I condemn, I condemn myself and all of creation, and then I'm stuck, powerless with no father <laughs> and no power and nothing. So it just, it just benefits me to forgive. 
because that's what helps me to release and let go and be open to the possibilities of all of creation. What a joy. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. You unfolded that line that says, uh, your patience with your brothers is your patience with yourself. And I think uh, I think that applies as well to forgiveness. Our forgiveness for our brothers is our forgiveness for ourselves. And uh, I think that's this is called for the lesson, so please, friends, go ahead. Read us on to lesson one twenty one. Okay, thank you. Hi everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook and we are finished the third review and now we're on lesson one twenty one. Forgiveness is the key to happiness. Uh, She'll read some from the lesson. Forgiveness is the key to happiness. Fear is the answer to your search for peace. Fear is the key to meaning in a world which seems to make no sense. Fear is the way to safety and apparent dangers. Here are all questions answered. The unforgiven mind is torn with doubt confused about itself and all it sees, afraid and angry, weak and blustering, afraid to go ahead, afraid to stay, afraid to waken or to go to sleep, afraid of every sound, yet more afraid of stillness, terrified of darkness, yet more terrified at the approach of light. What can the unforgiving mind perceive but its damnation? The unforgiving mind is in despair. Without the prospect of a future which can offer anything but more despair. Forgiveness is acquired. A sin was an idea you taught yourself. Forgiveness must be learned by you as well. But from a teacher other than yourself who represents the other true self in you. Each unforgiving mind presents you with an opportunity to teach your own how to forgive itself. All your teaching and your learning will not be of you, but of the teacher who was given you to show the way to you. Today we practice learning to forgive. The unforgiving mind does not believe that giving and receiving are the same. Yet we will try to learn today that they are one. Begin the longer practice periods by thinking of someone you do not like. Now close your eyes and see him in your mind. And look at him a while. Try to perceive some light in him. Look at this picture till you see a light somewhere within it and then try to let this light extend until it covers him and makes the picture beautiful and good. Look at this unchanged perception for a while. 
and turn your mind to one you call a friend. Try to transfer the light you learn to see around your former enemy to him. Do not forget throughout the day the role forgiveness plays in bringing happiness to ever unforgiving mind with yours among them. Every hour, tell yourself, forgiveness is the key to happiness. I will awaken from the dream that I am mortal, fallible, and full of sin, and I know I am the perfect son of God. Now we'll go back to a top-of-the-hour meditation, and we're going to go back to our five-minute practice. So, lesson 121, forgiveness is the key to happiness.
Here is the answer to your search for peace. Here is the key to meaning in a world which seems to make no sense. Lesson 121, forgiveness is the key to happiness. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. This is Fran. I love those two lines I just read. Here is the answer to your search for peace. Wow. I mean, I always thought forgiveness was a good thing, but I didn't know it was that incredible. (laughs) And the key to meaning in a world that seems to make no sense. Amazing. (laughs) I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. This is Donna, and paragraph 65, uh, thorns and nails definitely caught my attention. So when I reflected on it, I tried to set my mind, correct my mind, judgment are nails and thorns. I forgive myself for having judged. Let me judge no more. Amen. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. I um, I am turning over something in my mind. Oh, this is Robin Marie, sorry. Um, that I saw... A couple of days ago, I was driving through an area that I live in and going past a house where I used to love to take the pictures of the roses. I'd take pictures of the roses that the person who lived there grows. And uh, I went past that house and there was a big American flag out front. And then there was another just as big flag that said F. Biden. And I was like really, really, like that is, you know, and so this lesson, forgiving that person, whoever that is, for putting so much uh, vitriol, right, for everybody to see, (laughs) and anger, and hatred, and, you know, realizing that that is so evident now, in in our 
society and an experience that happened right before the election to me was parked out looking at the ocean and having two big trucks come and park next to me and I had a sticker on my window and they were angry with me and one actually parked further down and backed up while I was driving by and so I you know I do want to learn how to not only forgive but send somehow that energy of love and hope uh, and a different way of communicating to people who um, are that hurt. Thank you. I'm done. (laughs) Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. As much as well. Thank you. Hi, this is Ida. Um, better to be for something than against something, right? Even Jesus says that in some places. I've I've read a channel uh, version of Jesus. Uh, I'm for Marianne Williamson because. Because she's been a course teacher for over 40 years. So she knows the course really well, and she's written books about it and stuff like that. And she has, I like her ideas. So anyway, she's running for president. That's what I mean. Thank you. <laughs> no commercial. Just I'm just saying. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Morning, this is Sandra. And I'm really getting the connection between um, releasing and letting go and forgiveness. (laughs) Um, I don't think I I got such a strong connection previously. And, And also the connection between releasing and letting go and how that primes me for creation, that if I can't release and let go, therefore I'm judging and condemning, which keeps me stuck in a, in a wheel. Um, and it, it just, it, it's a, it's, it doesn't go anywhere. There's no creation. It's just stuck, 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 stuck. That forgiveness frees me. It just frees me. To, to participate in all the rest of creation, <laughs> which is limitless. And, uh, um, and, and, and an adventure and can be so much fun. Or I can get stuck in a judgment and a condemnation, which is not fun at all. My experience with that is that it makes me miserable. So I'm I'm going to go for this forgiveness thing and 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 start with myself of course for believing lies. I just believed lies. And so did my brothers and that's why they're judging cuz they believed lies too. <laughs> so it's just all about forgiveness. Happy party of forgiveness. I'm complete. 
Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Anna. No, thank you, Sandra. Good point. Good morning. This is Nancy, and I'm grateful to be here. And um, I experienced the freedom that forgiveness brings this morning because I woke up in that dark corner where all the um, I was having the experience that they, they described in this lesson. Yeah, couldn't go forward, couldn't stay. Um, I I don't have the book right in front of me, but um, to quote from it exactly, but um, I was having that experience, and then I went to the lesson this morning and experienced the freedom that comes when, and the and the releasing that comes with forgiveness. So I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks, Nancy. Oh, good morning, you guys. This is Lori. And, uh, oh, dear. You know, the circumstances are totally irrelevant. Um, but the features uh, of any particular ego story, I think, are important for me to recognize. Stab of guilt, loss of peace, all that. Well, for 20 years... Actually, it's been 24 years. I've carried in my heart a particular betrayal uh, that came as such a total surprise out of nowhere. I I had no uh, frame of reference by which to understand how this betrayal could have happened. I mean, you know that feeling when something happens, you're totally stymied. It's like out of the blue. You don't understand what happened, but it's so... Uh, devastating that kind of a betrayal and for um, for at least 10 years every year I've done this lesson and it gives us that one one paragraph which one is it Begin the longer practice periods by thinking of someone you do not like who seems to irritate you or cause regret in you if you should meet him. One you actively despise or merely try to overlook. It does not matter what form your anger takes. You probably have chosen him already. He will do. Well, every year I read that paragraph and, no, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. But here's that person again. You know, here's that betrayal again. And this year, 
I, I, I pause myself in that step that follows. Now close your eyes and see him in your mind and look at him a while. Try to perceive some light in him. And every year for all these years, that light was invisible to me. I could not find it. I could not see it. Because I ticked off all the features of the betrayal that were so devastating. All this, this, and this, and oh, after all, there's this, and this, and, and all the elements, you know, of that betrayal that made light impossible. And I ticked them all off again. And then somehow, by some good grace, <laughs> came the memory that an unforgiving thought is frantic. It rushes about trying to change reality, and doing this, doing that, overturning everything in order to keep those features. Well, there was this, 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 and this. And so this year, somehow with grace, I entertained the idea that I could let all of that story go. I still couldn't see the light, though. I could not on my own. And then he said, all your teaching and all, not, all your learning will not be of you. Will not be of you. And somehow, by grace, the light came and I exchanged it and realized that all the features of that betrayal were judgments of myself. I was blind to the fact, totally blind to the fact, that I was projecting a belief I held. The belief that, you know, from the time I was old enough to have any cognition at all, I was taught that, oh, you're supposed to be nice no matter what. <laughs> you're supposed to take care of people no matter what. And what happened as a consequence of that subconscious learning was here's a person who's not being nice. I'm supposed to be nice. I'll hold myself to that standard. I'm supposed to be nice. But they're not. There's something wrong with them. You see, the whole idea of betrayal and condemnation arose out of my own judgment of myself. Not that I wasn't nice, but that I'm supposed to be. And if I'm ever not nice, I've done a horrible thing. You see? And so, therefore, anybody else who's not nice has done a horrible thing. <laughs> I was blind to that. I was totally blind to that. For 24 years, I didn't know I held that judgment of myself. And worse than that, I projected it onto everyone, not even looking for the be nice. I was looking for something else. I was looking for any violation of my rule. And if anybody violates my rule, the rule I hold myself to, then uh, there's been a betrayal. How many times has that happened to me? <laughs> and this was the one I couldn't let go. Maybe this time. Maybe this time. When he asked me next year. In paragraph 8. Who is that person? 
Maybe next year there won't be one. I'm complete. Oh, oh I love that. Yeah. Thank I was you, not Lori. Thank you, I have Lori. Why oh. you did. <laughs> First, I had to learn to realize that I was angry underneath, and then I could forgive myself, and then I could learn to forgive the other people. <laughs> but I'm, as long as I thought I was nice and I wasn't angry, I couldn't do any of that. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Ida. Yes, Ida, that is exactly true. Thank you, Ida. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Hi, this is Chris. I'm just listening. Want to say hi? Hey, Chris. Yeah, hi, Chris. Nice to hear you, Chris. It's Harrison. I was looking at paragraph 62 when thinking um, uh, it relates uh, to today's lesson. He starts in 62 by saying, I am your resurrection and your life. And I personalized that. Jesus is my resurrection and my life. I live in Jesus because I live in God. And everyone lives in me as I live in everyone. Um, 
I became close to Mary Ann Williamson when she was a spiritual leader uh, in a Detroit area, Unity Church. Uh, I was on the board of directors, so uh, I interacted with her quite a bit. And um, frankly, I prefer to remember her from her writings than from my personal experience. And it just goes to show you how unforgiveness works. If I see her as God created her and not as the image that I have of her, then then and only then am I forgiving her. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get me to do through this reading and through the lesson. To see whoever the individual is as a reflection of his or her creator. And unless I do that, I can't see myself that way. Because they are simply an extension of who I am. And if I really want to accept that, excuse me, losing my voice, if I really want to accept that Jesus is my resurrection. Jesus is my life. Then I must see all my brothers and sisters. Whatever their political persuasion whatever their beliefs, spiritual beliefs, whatever their personal behaviors might be, 
I must see them as God created them and as myself. They are not separate from me if I want true forgiveness. I must see everyone in the light of my forgiveness. Jesus says, you live in me because you live in God. What does it mean to live in God? is to live in love, to live in peace, to live in happiness, and to live in complete forgiveness. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. That was oh, thank very you, complete. Harrison. Yes, thank you. Good morning, it's Jude. Um, thank you for all your shares. And um, Lori, in particular, um, you gave such a simple, elegant um, explanation of the desire to see the light and um, the difference between that and perception of seeing ourselves as mortal, valuable, and full of sin. And um, the difference between perceiving ourselves as that and knowing ourselves in the light, which is not of the body's eyes, it is from the heart of knowing the truth of who and what we are. And that I, um, you know, I'm fascinated with this this idea of perception and learning to see through the body's eyes. And from the beliefs of the world that tells us that that is what we are. And, you know, thank you, Harrison, for your lovely share that I can only see the light through the eyes of of forgiveness, through the eyes of Christ, that I have to see through the light of vision in order to know myself and anything else that I, I'm seeing through the heart of the light of understanding the truth of who and what I am, that I can't do that alone. I, it's impossible for me 
in the body and as a separate ego to see it delight in anyone because it's beyond the reasoning and beyond the understanding. It's not something that the ego knows. It cannot recognize it. So the importance of seeing seeing through the eyes of forgiveness um, and the, the way that the light is described in this lesson, first to try to find that little spark, even the tiniest little spark of brightness in the ugly picture of the body which I hold of somebody, to look at that picture until I can just imagine seeing the light in them and then try to let the light in my imagination cover him and make that picture beautiful and good. I mean, I've, I have to search that out in me because my vision is so veiled with darkness, seeing the judgment and the, and the darkness that I can't even see a little spark. And then that transfer, I love the way it transfers it from to a friend because I don't, I'm not seeing it in me. I got to see it in someone that I love and I can see the light in because it's so foreign and alien to me that I have to extend it to someone I can see the beauty and the light in in order to encompass them both. That light, in that light, His Holiness shows me, my Savior, saved and saving, healed and whole. And then, then let Him offer me the light I see in Him and let my enemy and my friend unite in blessing me now that I am one with them. And friend, unite in blessing me with what I gave. Now I am one with them and they with me. Now I have been forgiven by myself. And I think I just wanted to repeat that because I need to. I need to. Someone hurt me, (laughs) quote unquote, someone other than me hurt me, this illusion of myself. (laughs) And I have to let those illusions that I am somebody, I'm a somebody that can be hurt and that somebody other than myself hurts me. This is the undoing of the dream of judgment, thinking that we're something we're not, that we're not one with our source, one mind, one spirit, untouchable, unhurtable. And this is how I, you know, this is such a beautiful answer. I was asking God just the other day, how do I forgive myself for making an image of myself, an idol of an image of myself? And here comes the clarity today. How do I forgive myself for making an image of myself? Awaken from the dream that I am an image. It's a dream. I'm dreaming I am a body and that you are a body and that we think we're separate bodies, separate from the oneness that is the totality of our reality in the state of grace forever. Holy, holy, holy. Holy with the W W and holy with an H. 
in our holiness and grace. We are forever safe and protected. I love this book. I love the course. I love you guys. Thank you for being here with me today. I am complete. Oh, that was beautiful, Judy. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Judy, for being here. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. You've got a lot of wisdom, ladies. Thank you, Harrison. It's no good unless I use it and apply it to myself. Only I can save myself. Only I can separate myself from my oneness. Nobody out there is doing it to me. Nobody, nobody is doing it to me. And that is what it means to be realized. Self with a capital F realized. Nobody is doing anything to me. It's only my mind, in my mind, that's doing it to myself. Let me not hold one thought between the highest of holiest, highest of holiest, and my awareness of it. (laughs) Oh, let him be on the altar of my mind today. Amen. Good morning, Patricia here. Arriving around this lesson just came out of an old book, so I don't even remember writing this. This would be good for me. If there's time, I'll just read. So there's a point when a near-death experience, these are some notes doing this, that I tend to be shore of the ocean and there was placed a giant shell open pearl lined the glow was being heated by the sun a warm shell inviting me in they said this will be the hardest step for humans to take The angel surrounding the shell, holding it still. Mercy upon us. It is no wonder, they say, getting in to be carried away. Getting in to be carried away. The evolutionary step to take humanity calls for forgiveness. 
the river of mercy rewriting my life. When the sky has gone dark, when the road has ended, I hear the call moving me forward. No going back to pretend I can do it again. Looking back to a past for any reason why. Nature hardens my brain as a pillar of salt. The river of mercy calls to jump in. She is the river of forgiveness. Forgiveness by the minute, repeating the call as innocence grows. Innocence that strengthens the soul, ready to learn the next turn when the road has ended. I sit in her juicy banks, distilling her mercy, infusing the air, inhaling her effervescent freedom, luring me closer. Jump in, she sings. Resistance anchoring in fear knows this river is all-consuming ocean of me. Once I say yes, the old me will die. Every breath becomes carbonated now. Current moves me beyond my control. Gravity falls from my bones. I jump in as fear opens me, bathed in forgiveness, minute by minute, the dosage prescribed, bathed in forgiveness, minute to minute. Well, thank you for reminding me of what the Course writes Thank you. Mm, beautiful river of mercy. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. That was great. Um, about the idea that no one can hurt me except myself. I've heard that and thought that was true intellectually for a long time. But that doesn't mean that I lived like I thought that was true. It's one thing to know something in your head. It's another thing to really get it, to really believe it, really believe it is to write, be, live it. <laughs> and uh, I've been getting to that place in the last few years, and I'm grateful and that one day, when I'm on my deathbed, um, I'm sure that I will appreciate everything that happened and everyone that was in my life, however briefly. But I'd rather do that before that time. <laughs> I'm working on it. The Holy Spirit is working with me on it. Thank you. Please. You get it, I get it. You get it. We all will. 
Thank you, Ida. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. This is Nancy, and then we will be raised up in this life when we can do that. Forgive everyone. Yeah, before we have to die. Yeah, that's what I would like to do, too. Let go into that beautiful river of mercy. I'm complete. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. It's all about application. It's one thing for me to to read it, uh, to hear it, um, even to understand it. It's another thing to apply it in every situation. I start with one situation and then seek to apply it to every situation. Uh, Forgiveness is uh, one of the, for me, most important concepts from the course that I need to apply. And if it helps, I can start with me. Often it's someone else that I've identified uncomplete. Thanks, Harrison. Thank you, here. Right. Thank Rubber's you, always leading the road. Thanks, <laughs> Harrison. Go ahead. Are you happy, peaceful, joyous, and free? <laughs> Every holy rolling instant. I was I was um, taken aback the last couple days in in. Um, a relationship that has been a lifelong relationship and and, um, with someone other than myself. And this perception, um, I love what Ida shared about living at the highest level of our understanding is, you know, that's that's really being aware of who and what I am. And it it becomes easier the more and more I am moment to moment terribly aware of what I am at any given moment. Am Am I a happy being? Am I a peaceful being? Am I a joyful being? Am I a miserable being? You know, what am I being right here, right now? And knowing my beingness, is where the rubber meets the road. 
So, ergo, here I go. <laughs> ergo, there I grow. Thank you, Yogi Chris. I'm complete. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Speaking truth. Thanks, Judy. I just kicked kicked myself up a couple notches. <laughs> Morning again, this is Sandra. <clears throat> and what I'm seeing and feeling and experiencing from from this reading and this lesson is really the difference between judgment and discernment. Because when I judge, I'm stuck. That's it. There's no more movement. I'm actually dead. <laughs> dead in the water. The only movement with judgment is destruction. That's the only place I can go with it, is right to destruction, (laughs) myself and other. And that's where it's gone since the beginning of time, since all of man's inhumanity to man has been based in judgment, not in discernment. Discernment, however, gives me the access to creation (laughs) because I can move on. I can release and let go with in forgiveness, but I can also move on to the rest of creation, which is limitless. It's infinite. (laughs) Now that is darn right exciting. Or would I prefer to be stuck in a spiral of that will lead me right to destruction? That's what judgment does. It'll lead me to destruction. Destruction of myself and destruction of everything. That's what wars have been fought over. More killing, more, oh my gosh, more destruction on this planet. is It's all based in judgment. Discernment opens me up, gives me access to all of creation because it gives me lots of different options. And I don't have to be angry or resentful at a behavior or a situation that maybe I don't think should be that way or I don't like. I can give it patience. I can give it tolerance. I can give it forgiveness which opens me right up to the all of the rest of creation. This is the most exciting thing in the world, to know that I have all those possibilities of creation, unless I choose to stay and be stuck in judgment. I'm complete. Oh, boy, howdy. <laughs> Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, 
Well, thank you all very much. This is Lemoyne. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sleepy this morning. But this is, uh, this is good because, you know, only the effort, <laughs> only that kind of willful effort to separate is tiring. And... You know, for me, I think it, it's helpful to see these things, the ways in which, you know, we would do this to ourselves by judging and then and then holding to that judgment and imprison ourselves in, in the separation. And, you know, it's really kind of becomes as simple as would I join in the resurrection or the crucifixion? And, you know, the resurrection is the complete triumph of Christ, not by attack, but by transcendence. And it's, uh, I really appreciate the way the lesson and the text both point to the way to to have it is to give it and to be you know willing to share share redemption share the grace which is offered um, which is always there the freedom to leave behind everything that hurts you and humbles you and frightens you cannot be thrust upon you but it can be offered you through the grace of God. And you can accept it by His grace. And somebody made the point earlier, you know, oh, it's a pearly shell. You know, here is your seat in the embrace. This is the hardest thing to do. <laughs> just let go of all that other stuff and be willing just to share. But that's where being truly is and everything else is something we put in place instead every loving thought is true everything else is just a call for healing and for or for help and that is what it is and uh <clears throat> I think the willingness that's called for is the willingness to be at peace and share it. So we may have it, give it, and keep it like it. Anyway, I'm going to stop because. Thank, Thank you, you for all your, all your blessings. And, you know, the power that is available, demonstrations of the power that's available in doing what the lesson says. It's just see that, you know, whatever, whenever you see someone who is vexed or vexing, whatever the appearance, whatever the form, just to know 
that they're uh, they're alive and their life comes from the from all being which is all in all and uh, all that really intercedes is some dream of separation and that it is possible to step one step forward into a world of grace and so thank you all Lori, do you have a specific close for the recorded portion of this call? Uh, I've heard a lot of beautiful things here this morning. Um, but here's here's where I landed. It's in chapter 27, The Hero of the Dream, where he says, Bring then all forms of suffering to capital him who knows that everyone is like the rest. He sees no differences where none exist. And he will teach you how each one is caused. None has a different cause from all the rest, and all of them are easily undone by but a single lesson truly learned. Salvation is a secret you have kept but from yourself. The universe proclaims it so. Get to its witnesses, you pay no heed at all, for they attest the thing you do not want to know. They seem to keep a secret from you. Yet you but need to learn. You choose but not to listen, not to see. How differently will you perceive the world when this is recognized? When you forgive the world your guilt, you will be free of it. Its innocence does not demand your guilt, nor does your guiltlessness rest upon its sin. This is the obvious, a secret kept from no one but yourself, and it is this that has maintained you separate from the world and kept your brother separate from you. Now need you but to learn that both of you are innocent or guilty. The one thing that it is impossible is that you be unlike each other, that they both be true. This is the only secret yet to learn, and it will be no secret. You are healed. Oh, amen. Well, thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I heard Thank you. That was perfect. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Yeah, thank you, Laurie. Thank you all for being here. It's uh, just the end of the recording.